Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment, tax, or legal advice, or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management LLC may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hey, everybody, this is the Northbound Wealth Management Podcast. This is Brent Foster, your founder and CEO of Northbound Wealth. Hey, I, I get this question quite a bit from people, especially younger people, and sometimes people in retirement and stuff like that. They're really trying to understand and get into stocks and buying stocks. So they go like, where do I begin? How do I begin to select a stock? And um, what's interesting is there's a there's an, a way to approach it. So I answer it like this. Um, the indexes, the three largest, which is the S&P 500 uh, SPY, SPY, ticker symbol by State Street Global. Then you got VOO, which is the Vanguard uh, S&P 500 index. And then you got the IVV, which is BlackRock's S&P 500 index. Those indexes um, have holdings reports. They show like the top 10 holdings or the top 20 holdings. And they're the largest uh, S&P 500 indexes in in the United States, if not in the world. I mean, the majority of companies that are in doing investments have some offering of those three uh, ticker symbols. And so if you look at the top 10 to 20 holdings of, of each of those, uh, a lot of times the names don't really change a whole lot. So it's a good way to look at, well, what's widely held and held by institutions, um, meaning the stock volumes are, are pretty liquid and uh, they've already got support from uh, the indexes themselves, the exchanges themselves with their positioning and weights. So it's not a bad place to kind of take a look at how to buy some stocks. So if you guys get familiar with kind of tracking the charts of those individual stocks that are widely held and mostly home owned by everyone in the world, um, not a bad idea. So take a look at the holdings and I'll run through what the VOO owns as of May 31st, 2022, which is Vanguard's S&P 500 index. And what's interesting is Apple is the top holding and the weight of the net assets of VOO is of Apple is 6.57%. There are 337.8 million shares held. The market value is equivalent to about $50.3 billion. The second position, it goes to Microsoft, ticker symbol MSFT. They own, basically Vanguard has ownership of 5.8% percent of net assets. That's 163.3 million shares or $44.4 billion worth of Microsoft. Next is in the third position is Amazon at about 2.99% weight, 
9.5 million shares and about 20 worth about 22.9 billion. Google is is kind of interesting because there's class A and C shares. If you were to add those two together, they would actually be more than Amazon, so they technically be in the third or second position. Google is also known as Alphabet, but the ticker symbols are G O O G L or G O O G. And there's just a huge weight there. Tesla is actually next at a 1.81% or 18.2 million shares worth about 13.8 billion. Then you then in the then the next position, which is fifth, basically, fourth or fifth because of Google messing us all up. Brookshire Hathaway, um, then Johnson and Johnson in the in the sixth position, if you will. NVIDIA is next. They're in the semiconductor space. Uh, you've got United uh, Health Group or UNH. Um, they're a managed healthcare provider. Meta Platforms, which is also known as Facebook. Uh, interactive Media and Services. Then uh, you have your first oil company in there at ExxonMobil. Um, then JP Morgan, then Procter & Gamble. Uh, then Visa, Chevron, the Home Depot, MasterCard, Pfizer, Bank of America, AbbVie, which is in the biotech space, Eli Lilly, pharmaceuticals, Coca-Cola, soft drinks, right, Staples, Broadcom, semiconductors, uh, PepsiCo. Then you have Thermo Fisher Scientific, then Verizon, then Abbott Labs, so what's interesting, oh, I missed Costa, Costco in there. <laughs> Costco in there is right after Verizon, then Abbott Labs. So like if you guys are looking for stocks to own, not a bad place to start, just saying. Um, especially with Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, and Google. I mean, those those four are pretty much stocks that most everybody owns, holds for a long time and usually on pullbacks tends to add to those positions. Sometimes if they get over overweighted in portfolios, it's good to trim from those and maybe look at some of the other names that I just mentioned if you don't have an allocation to them. So um, this approach helps uh, uh, amateur investors take a look at what should I maybe be owning in a portfolio um, that's already got credibility and, and backing by most major institutions, pensions, endowments, and in, in, in retirement plans and stuff like that. So if you don't know what to pick, um, I love the Dave Ramsey approach, just buy indexes, passive investments, buy them, invest in them, save in them. Over a long period of time, it is, it is remarkable how much money people can make over, over a longer time horizon. So there you go. I thought I'd answer that question straight up. If you have any questions, I'd love to hear from you. Just send me an email. You can send me an email at bfoster at northboundwealth.com. This is the Northbound Wealth Management Weekly Market Insights. Stocks rally despite mixed data. July 11, 2022. This is recapping last week. In a holiday shortened trading week, stocks rallied despite mixed economic data and vacillating energy prices and bond yields. The Dow Jones Industrial Average increased 0.77%, while the S&P 500 rose 1.94% for the week. The NASDAQ picked up 4.5%, and the EFA Index, which tracks developed overseas markets, edged up 
0.46%. So last week was a fairly decent week, but year to date, things are still negative. Um, the Dow is down 13.76%. The NASDAQ is down 25.63%. MSCI EFA, which is the international markets, is down 21.20%. And the S&P 500 index is down 18.19% for the year. The Treasury note, 10-year Treasury note, closed at 3.09%. For the week, it was up 0.21%. And year-to-date, it is up 1.57%. Inflation, mind you, is still really high. So um, that's a difficult situation for the consumer and for all of us who are saving and investing. Even in the face of inflation and stuff, stocks moved higher. Uh, in advance of Friday's much anticipated employment report, stocks enjoyed successive daily gains despite ongoing concerns about a recession. Recession fears were supported by an inversion in the yield curve and updated second quarter gross domestic product projections indicating the economy is ready to contract. Technology shares were the week's biggest winners as investors appear to have turned to companies with earnings growth potential during a weakening economic environment. Stocks bounced along the flat line following the strong jobs report on Friday to close out a positive week. Employment's mixed signal, one of the holes in the quote, imminent recession narrative has been the labor market strength. Historically, recessions have been preceded by or concurrently with a weakening jobs market. Friday's un, uh, uh, employment report reflected a job market that continues to belay Wall Street's recession fears. Employers added 370,000, excuse me, 372,000 jobs in June, a number that was above economists' estimates of 250,000. Wage gains were rebut. Ro Shit. <clears throat> so employment's mixed signal. One of the holes in the, quote, imminent recession, end quote, narrative has been the labor market strength. Historically, recessions have been preceded by or concurrently with a weakening jobs market. Friday's employment report reflected a job market that continues to belay Wall Street's recession fears. Employers added 372,000 jobs in June, a number that was above economists' estimates of 250,000. Wage gains were robust, 5.1% year over year to the positive, though still below the inflation rate. The unemployment rate was unchanged at 3.6%. This week, there's key economic data. Um, what's coming out on Wednesday is the consumer price index number. Thursday, producer price index and jobless claims. Friday, retail sales, industrial production, and consumer sentiment. This week, companies reporting earnings are Delta Airlines, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Conagra Brands, which is a spinoff of Dow. Friday, uh, United Health Group, Citigroup, Wells, BlackRock, Bank, U.S. Bank Corp., the PNC Financial Services Group. Pretty busy week kicking off earnings. In this week's segment of 
the tax tips. I'm going to cover a couple of items. Number one is the Secure Active 2019, the second iteration of it. And then also what I'm going to cover is the Small Business Health Care Tax Credit. So first, the SECURE Act of 2019 represented the biggest update to retirement law in over a decade. Now, Congress is deliberating on what SECURE 2.0 legislation might entail. In March, the House passed the Securing a Strong Retirement Act with a bipartisan 414 to 5 vote. The Senate is still weighing numerous proposals for their version, the Rise and Shine Act. Where they get these names, I have no idea, but they're brutal. <laughs> Just joking. Proposals under consideration include, number one, raising the required minimum distribution or RMD age to 73, eventually age 75. Increasing, well, this is number two, increasing catch-up contributions to $10,000. And number three, creating Roth versions of simple and SEP IRAs. Well, it's about time they looked at that. Uh, reconciling these bills will take time, but it is clear that the Secure 2.0 version could bring about another raft of significant changes for business owners and employees. As always, I'm keeping an eye out for what you need to know, and we'll be in touch via this podcast and other forms of communication as it's developed. Now, secondly, <clears throat> the Small Business Healthcare Tax Credit. In an effort to extend the healthcare benefits to more people, the IRS introduced the Small Business Healthcare Tax Credit. This credit may benefit employers that have fewer than 25 full time equivalent employees. Offer a qualified health plan through a small business health options program marketplace and pay at least 50% of the cost of the employee-only health care coverage. There may also be some average wage requirements. The maximum credit covers, number one, 50% of premiums paid for small business employers. Number two, 35% of premiums paid for small tax-exempt employers. The credit may also be available for two consecutive taxable years. As a disclaimer, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax professional. All this information was adapted from irs.gov. We'll keep you posted on any new developments. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody, this is the Northbound Wealth Management Podcast. I just want to thank you guys for listening. And please share this podcast with your family, friends, if you find it informative. And I want to just do a quick PSA. You can find out about my blog, the podcast, by visiting my website at www.northboundwealth.com. Again, www.northboundwealth.com. You'll see some recent blog posts about like, under the blog section header um, that talks about my book club. I've got uh, a market update. That's a 2022 halftime report. 
that um, is in a webinar format, kind of talks through all the economic indicators, what's going on out there, and what we expect going forward for the second half of this year. So please check that out. I'd, I'd love it if you guys would subscribe. Um, you can actually go under my resource center header where it has my podcast listed. If you click on that, you can sign up uh, for updates to your podcast, like on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever, uh, if you subscribe to the RSS feed, the RSS feed. So do that um, and then share it with other people and family and friends. Uh, I've also got under the Resource Center a book club that I think is kind of a fan favorite. Uh, I'll be continually updating that um, throughout the year. And then I've got a seasonal magazine as well as a ton of resources about investments, retirement, tax, estate, insurance, and all kinds of stuff related to finance. And then look forward to next week's blog. Usually I get to it on Monday or Tuesday and uh, you guys will get updates every week. So check it out and I uh, hope you find this enjoyable, informative, maybe even actionable. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks.